Howdy, beautiful people. Welcome to 321 No Kidding. As you know, I talk a lot about self-care and addiction, right? Those are the two things that are kind of the pillars of our conversation. And you may wonder today, well, how does what our guest Caleb has to say have to do with either of those things? And here's the way that I see it. Caleb is an expert on what is called legacy planning. He's going to share with us both his story and then what he does and what's so important to him, his mission. And I hadn't really thought about this. God, I never thought about this when I was gambling, but I hadn't thought of how planning for taking care of our loved ones, both financially and in many other ways, you know, in our legacy as part of our self-care. And I think that this conversation will bring it in a little on how it's related and how we could take care of the people in our lives or the charities we want or however we want to be remembered. And it is an important part of our planning. And I know that when I was gambling, I did not give this thought. I, you know, I would never mind take care of it. And I'm so grateful that I found someone with so much personality and insight and energy around this topic and any other topic that we happen to discuss on the show. And I think what you're going to find very interesting is, you know, God, these, these people that I've been fortunate enough to interview and get to know through this world I'm living of online learning and connecting I'm just so humbled to be in their presence with the skill sets and and things that these guys have overcome. And Caleb is just another amazing fine example of this. And before, you know, before we recorded and you'll hear us mention this is I knew who Caleb was. He was he's a shining star in one of our groups and I've known who he was most of the year and and we're we run the same circles as far as common friends and stuff but We've never actually engaged before this interview. So I think that you're going to find this dynamic very interesting. I know I did. I can honestly say I've never had a show quite like this. So enjoy. Hello, Caleb. How are you? I'm good, Bobby. Nice to be here with you today. Yes. Thanks so much for coming on. I'm excited to have you. I think we should just start right out. If, If you don't mind kicking us off, introduce yourself to my audience, please. I will absolutely do that. And uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me on here. I so appreciate your your mission and what you're doing. I mean, there needs to be a lot, lot more awareness of this area and these struggles. So I'm really excited to be here with you today. And yeah, I'll just uh, start right out of the gate here and share a little bit about myself. That's all right. Yes, please. Cool. Is this it? Is this all there is? Has it really come to this? I laid there wondering how my family would remember me if I didn't make it. What my friends might think. I felt helpless, completely powerless over my own life and body. The house was empty. Mom and dad were out of town again. That means it's party time. (laughs) Yeah. I'd barely eaten or slept in over a week. All of a sudden, my heart started to feel like it was beating out of my chest and the pain was so unbearable that I knew something was wrong. So a friend rushed me to the hospital and here I am now, hanging on to life by a thread. Is this it? Is this all there is? 
Well, in and out of consciousness, the sound around me faded away and time stood still. Then something profound happened. Panic and the fear and the terror I felt was suddenly overshadowed by peace. And what I experienced next it forever changed the course of my life. Now, I grew up a sheltered, small-town Wyoming preacher's kid with big hopes and dreams of being a famous musician. So watching those dreams shatter while my life comes to a crashing halt in that emergency room due to a drug overdose was not the way it was supposed to go. Lying there, I had an epic encounter with indescribable love that shifted my heart and perspective. I knew it was get better or die. I survived with a full recovery, and that experience gave me clarity to take action about living a life of impact and meaning. This is our legacy we're talking about, and I believe it's worth prioritizing. It's worth protecting. Whether we're prepared or not, someday our legacy will be passed down to our family, and it can be a smooth or a burdensome process. But this is where I step in. I'm Caleb Kid Coy, and after surviving my near-death experience, I realized I'd been given a second chance I could use to serve others. I made the choice to spend my life challenging, inspiring, encouraging, and empowering others to rise up, confront their own fears, and gain victory over their adversities. Now, as a legacy consultant, I've had the privilege of helping people protect their legacy, steer clear of probate, secure their estate, grow their assets, and establish the freedom of a financial future. I just love watching folks become heroes to their families and their community while raising revenue for the nonprofits they care about and support. Along with the material possessions, it's important to me that your core values, the things that are most precious to you, are also passed on so you can be remembered in the way you want to be remembered. So over the next few minutes, I'm going to share just a few brief steps and how we provide you with the tools to do that. Now, Bobby, one of the most common questions I get is, Caleb, can you help me avoid probate with the trust? And the answer is yes. Whether you're someone who has a lot of assets you've accumulated over time or someone with just a few assets you want to pass on to your heirs with ease, or you want to learn more about safe ways you can grow your resources over time, then my services are for you. Now, the first step in that process is education. Most people don't realize that with or without a will, their estates are going through probate and a will is just a first-class ticket. Sure, you've stated your intentions, but your family is still getting dragged into this horrific experience rife with delays and costs is open-ended and eats away at what you left them. A living trust is a solution. It replaces the costly, time-consuming requirement for probate court to distribute your assets to loved ones. However, getting one hasn't exactly been user-friendly, right? But our process changes that. So everyone else has been telling you that setting up a trust is too complicated and time-consuming. I'm telling you that it doesn't have to be. You've probably heard it's only necessary for the super wealthy, but I'm telling you it can benefit almost anyone. Maybe you've been listening to the wrong person. But we specialize in digital estate planning technology that creates trust documents. For 36 years, we've been the back office for estate planning attorneys who fronted the process. And today we offer our services direct to consumers and nonprofits. By leveraging technology, we've replaced the traditional brick-and-mortar model of getting a trust. When implemented correctly, it can be 90% completed in 90 minutes in a quick and efficient manner. So the next step is to create your trust on our platform by capturing the answers to seven simple questions about your estate and who you want to pass your legacy onto, followed by an electronic submission to set up your profile. You're then scheduled to speak with our specialists, including an attorney who's actually embedded into the process to customize and implement your trust and then attach your assets to it, all without leaving the comfort and privacy of your home. So seniors love our system for its ease. Others love it for the control it gives them. What sets us apart is a streamlined system with the constant access to make updates or changes anytime you want to. So picture a day when you wake up with all your affairs in order. 
Picture a day when your child comes up to you and says, I'm so grateful you removed the worry and stress to make our lives easier, mom and dad. Picture a day when you'll accomplish something that provides you with peace of mind and the assurance that when you're gone, your legacy will pass unhindered to those you love the most. Finally, we'll go the extra mile by reviewing powerful strategies you can establish to grow your retirement accounts and confidence using unique wealth services, tools, and products. It's important to us that you're able to accumulate enough to enjoy life's wonders during retirement, but still being able to leave a generous inheritance to loved ones and the causes that matter most to you. Now, recent global events only reaffirm how important it is to plan and prepare today that there's a window of opportunity to take action now before your family faces probate or an unplanned medical emergency. So you might be thinking about it all wrong. You might be thinking that tomorrow is a given and you can just get it done later. You should be thinking that tomorrow is not guaranteed and now is the time to take care of what matters most. The cost of getting this done today is minor in comparison to the price of doing nothing and waiting until it's too late. I like to say that the only thing worse than the pain of procrastination is the agony of regret. So in times of uncertainty, we, we definitely don't want to be caught off guard, right? If something were to happen to your family, healthcare documents can be the last line of defense among some of the worst case possible scenarios. For medical crisis protection, our trust portfolio actually includes an advanced medical directive with medical power of attorney. Now, I probably don't need to tell you that entire estates have been drowned down by artificial life support and without the proper HIPAA laws in place, it can hinder others from being involved in the decision-making during a medical emergency. So as a parent or a child, what that means is if you're unable to speak for yourself, having them in place empowers the rights of the people who care about you to have a say in the potential outcome. So for a limited time right now, my free gift to you is, a, is actually a healthcare document set. It's a $300 value. You can go over to www.calebkidcoy.com forward slash free gift and follow those prompts. You'll get to uh, fill out uh, a digital survey and then you get a notification and we'll send you a video on, on, with instructions on how you can do that. Just one less thing for you to have to worry about, right? So let me leave you with this, Bobby. I started out this talk today by telling you about how I almost met a premature end, right? When I left that hospital, I was helpless, clinging on to life by the skin of my teeth, thinking, is this it, Caleb? I went home and slept for what felt like days straight. I recall wondering if I would ever escape that zombie state of mind, if I'd ever feel whole again. Some areas it took months and in others years, but eventually I did. Through changes in my lifestyle, my habits, and my health, I proactively made the necessary adjustments. Now, it can take a lot of discipline to get our lives back on a healthy track. And usually all we need is someone who cares to bring guidance, support, and just a little nudge in the right direction to make that happen. Loved ones left to frantically search for answers on their own, they can end up in troubled waters. So in the midst of life's challenges, I knew I had a choice. Hide from the problem or find the solution. When it comes to your life and family, you have a choice too. Take the hard route, struggle to figure it out on your own, or let someone just like you who understands and who has been where you are guide you in taking the right action steps. With courage and grace, I took back control of my own life so that I could help others take back control of theirs. Instead of becoming the self-centered rock star I initially thought I wanted to be, someone who may have left behind a legacy of drug addiction and nasty, rotten habits, something far greater transpired. I was transformed into a man of purpose, fueled by compassion, focused on integrity, and centered in gratitude. My lifelong legacy journey helped build thick rhino-hide skin and forge true character within. Now I'm living proof that by being consistently faithful in the little things, a life can be rebuilt and a legacy can be created. 
And hopefully it won't take a near-death experience to wake you up about the vital importance of securing your legacy, your family's future, because it represents the love, the blood, the sweat and tears of your entire life. It's in the way you live, the way you give, and how you serve those you love. Now, that's your legacy, but it's up to you to make sure it endures. So that's my story, Bobby, and I'm sticking to it. (laughs) Wow. You generated so many questions, and I appreciate you sharing your story. There's a money component, obviously, within my audience. There's a wellness component within my audience. I think we're going to get really educated by digging into this a little. But before I get to the hard questions, I have to understand the kid. Is that your given middle name? It is. Yep. Really? Now, uh, yeah. We and funny. I still talk about that with my parents, and that's uh, what they what they came up with. I, we were we were on a family get together here not too far back in the summer, and it's funny because you know I was talking about it with my dad, and he was uh, he was sharing how they had actually cons- considered using the name Stephen. His first name is Stephen, but he's always gone by Steve. And my wife and I just kind of looked at each other and was like, "Thank God." <laughs> <laughs> I think it's much more fitting, and I've always liked the way it sounded. So. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I love it too. And it's, it's unique like you, you know, it's got a nice flow. So I had to ask you that. So the fact that you come from an addiction arena is a big part of why I wanted to chat with you a little today. One of my favorite things is being able to provide my, my listeners both like a value of some sort, whether it's in education or resources. And obviously your resource legacy initiative. And it's funny because it's been on my to-do list now ever since, well, it's been on my to-do list a while. I guess we'll be talking after the show at some point as well. And it's only because now I know I'm going to be a gazillionaire with all my initiatives. So in my mind, I care more about that. But I think, I think my gamblers probably don't think they need to be worried about this stuff, which is important call out. So if you don't mind, you kind of gave us the the overview on what you do and why you do it and where you came from. But can we dig a little deeper into what your addiction looked like? It sounded like the OD was what switched gears, but it's not as simple as that, I'm sure. It never is, is it? No. So if you don't mind taking us back a little could you elaborate for us? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I, you know, I was fortunate, Bobby, in that I I, li- I grew up in a pretty decent home environment. Other than I would say some strong poverty mindsets and mentalities, which you know took a good person portion of my life to actually break free of. That's a whole other story there. But you know, my parents were marriage and family counselors for a long, long time. I was a preacher's kid, so you know, rebel without a clue. <laughs> <obviously>. <laughs> But I fell in love with music at a very young age. Ironically, my lifelong friend, and we were, we were neighbors since we were both in diapers, is Buffalo Bill Cody's great-grandson. And so we grew up listening to music together, learned to play guitar together. And then, you know, he ended up going off and he's in Atlanta now and became a recording engineer. And then I started life coaching in the, in the music and entertainment industry. But, you know, I, I still remember skateboarding in his basement as kids and listening to Def Leppard and Bon Jovi and all the big, you know, 80s hair bands, which I, which I absolutely love to this day and have such an influence on me. But obviously, as we got into music, that was my ambition. I wanted to become a rock and roll star. And again, not only was I a shy kid, But, you know, I I had a lot of strong family moral values growing up, and I'm grateful for that. But I think it was one of those things where kind of kind of a whole other long story. But, you know, 
hypocrisy of religion. And that wasn't so much in, in my parents as it was in the way that other people treated them. I always, I always make the joke, you know, the shepherd getting, getting bit in the butt by the sheep type thing. I think that did something in my heart, maybe cause, you know, a root of bitterness and resentment. And so, you know, by the time I was a teenager, we had moved to a small town. There was a lot of religious persecution in the church that my dad took over. I don't know. I think it was escapism. And then it was just something like, okay, curiosity killed the cat, right? And we were, we were in an area in Wyoming, actually on the Utah border, when all the meth labs were going up over in Salt Lake and Provo area. And so again, I never, right, I never plan on starting down that path. It was just like, you know, we did a lot of kid drinking and stuff like that. And then I remember the first time I smoked pot and I was just like, whoa, you know, this is really cool. And I remember telling myself, Bobby, ah, you know, I just, you know, a little, little drinking, little smoking pot, no, no big deal. And then before you know it, I'm dropping acid and before you know it, you know, smoking and snorting meth. And it was just, it was one of those situations, right? Where ironically, mom and dad were out of town at a preacher's conference and I was throwing a big old rager at the house and, you know, had been, had been up for like almost a week on crystal meth. And for anybody that knows about this evil, wicked drug, you, you know, you basically, you don't sleep and you don't eat on it. My immune system just shut down and pretty much a virus attacked my heart. And that's what I felt like when I kicked everybody out of the house, except one friend. I'm like, dude, I, I feel like I'm dying. My heart is, you know, beating out of my chest. There's so much pain. You gotta, you gotta rush me to the emergency room. So it was like, I remember looking back in retrospect and going, how, how the heck did I get here? Right. I never, I never intended on taking it this far, but you know, I, I knew then I was at the crossroads and you know, it wasn't, it wasn't the first time I had, you know, been on a bad trip where things had gone a little too far, but, but this, this one, I knew part, part of me thought it was over, you know, and I wasn't, wasn't going to come out of it. And I will, I will be forever grateful to a praying mama because, you know, I did have a, I did have an encounter that, you know, is not always easy to talk about, but that something, something spiritual happened. Some, somebody intervened in that situation. Somebody was out there looking out for me and answering mom's prayers. I just, you know, I came out of that and I, I never looked at it the same again. So, you know, the, the journey, you know, the journey after that to recovery and breaking free is, you know, a little different path there. So we can continue or you just kind of tell me what direction you want to go. Well, I appreciate you being so candid. And I guess the frame of mind I'm in today, I'm going to be a little selfish and I'm going to derail us on on two things because I need to hear them from you. Sure. The first is this is the third conversation on the day I'm recording this about with the religion kind of tone to it. So I did my reading this morning and I read out of this body, mind, spirit book mm. and it's, it's associated with the 12 steps and there's a lot of God, higher power stuff in there. My view is everybody should do what works for them. Like I never had faith really before, probably more before the last two years, honestly, any kind of faith. I believe something happened, everything happens for a reason, but I never went to church and never did all those things today. I was in a group and someone had put their views out with someone they were working with and not anything crazy. It was, you know, that they believed in like law of attraction and that kind of stuff, which crosses into the spiritual arena. And that happened since I recorded this morning and had that conversation. It was one of those days where I reminded everybody like, hey, do whatever you need to do. 
So then this lady gets chastised in an email from a person and says, I don't want to work with you anymore because you believe in this stuff, but starts quoting scripture and, and like beating her up with like the God card. So when you were talking about that, I just, I just heard that. I guess what I want to hear is it sounds like you overcame that or you've dealt with that and kind of, you know, overcame that. Just would you have any advice on people who are maybe impacted by that kind of treatment or like, I know what I would say to someone, but some that's just my narrow view. So I'm just curious, what would you say to someone who either doesn't have any faith today, as far as how would you suggest maybe they cope or, or things? And then also, how would you handle, I'm totally going down a whole different road than I anticipated. And I hope that's okay with you. Dude, Bobby, I, I love this. Like, like you just said, we had no intention of this. And like, this makes me really happy because I'm very sensitive about going down this path because I'm with you. I don't think that there's the same solution for everybody. I, you know, and this is just my opinion, my, my humble opinion. I don't think the, the 12 steps necessarily is for everybody. Agreed. I think it depends our situation and circumstances. So I'll preface it by saying that my wife and I could easily write a large book about our religious experiences and what we witnessed, both of us growing up as well, particularly the hypocrisies and a lot of the, the merchandising in the realms of, of, of money and finance. And I think that's why it was very hard for me to embrace sales, if you will, and marketing, because I saw so much of that abuse in nonprofit. But, but what I would say to people is we each have to find our own path, you know, and one thing I think both my wife and I saw enough of that, that it was like, I came to a place where it's like, I'm not anybody's judge. I'm not here to judge anybody. And I will not put up with that crap. I just went, you know, and it's funny because I, one of the reasons I first left Facebook for a while and went over on LinkedIn is I was just done with that. I got sick of people arguing over religion and politics and, you know, everybody's got an opinion and opinions are like, you know, bung holes, right? We all got them. At the end of the day, we all poop the same color. Let's just get raw and real here, right? So I just got fed up and tired of that crap. And I don't, I don't use the terminology, but yes, I'm a man of faith. Yes, I believe. And my experiences and encounters, if you will, are, are my own, but they've led me to a place where I know I can't deny there's, there's something greater than myself out there. It's just, I would be an idiot to try and say that. But for me to say, you know, this is, you know, this is exactly what it is, or this is how you should believe. I don't, I don't think that's our place. And I look at, you know, a lot of my, my book mentors and Napoleon Hill, if he was here today, oh, I'd love to have that conversation with him. Such a, you know, wise man. When I first read Think and Grow Rich, it absolutely transformed my life. And I was not, you know, because of my upbringing, I wasn't that open-minded to these things. And so, you know, he, he, he always stressed the importance of faith. So I knew that there was that foundation, right? I think we have to believe in ourselves, right? We've got to believe that there's something, there's something greater than ourselves out there. But at the same time, I don't think we can just shove it off and say, oh, you know, God's, you know, God's just going to help me and, you know, I'll, I'll get through it or whatever. I mean, it, it, that's just lazy to me. I think that throws the responsibility off of us. And I've always been in a place where, you know, we, we hear the, the, the proverbial statement, God helps those who help themselves. I think there's a lot of truth to that in that any type of faith without a corresponding action is, is mute. Like you're not doing Jack. Well, I believe and you know, God's you know, coming up on that religious, right? You know, people and there's this prosperity gospel that I couldn't stand. Like God was going to drop 
bars of money, stacks of money and bars of gold in your lap just because you prayed and have faith. And I'm like, well, that's crap. Well, first of all, it's selfish. You know, why, why do you, you know, why are you believing in this prosperity? Are, are you actually, oh, well, I'm just going to give it away and be real philanthropic. And I'm like, well, we'll see because money will always bring out the worst inside of a person. And again, I like, I got no problem with it, but I grew up right in a history that was, you know, look, look down on money. Like, you know, it was, uh, you can only be used by God if you're broke, busted and disgusted, you know, and that's like, you know, if you're, if you're wealthy, you've, uh, you've succumbed to the corruption and the evil of riches and things like that. And so, I mean, can you imagine, can you imagine what it took for me, Bobby, to break free of that? I am talking decades of that mindset before I realized, okay, number one, not only is it okay for me to have abundance and make money, but really, I'm doing the creator and all of humanity a disservice if I don't, because I watched the people who were broke, busting, and disgusted and thought it was cool, thought it was humble. And I'm like, man, you ain't doing jack squat for anybody. And I piss people off saying that all the time, but it's true. I'm sure. Yeah, I have never thought of it. Your money mindset blocks are way different than my money mindset blocks. And I'm just, one of my fellow classmates had done like a money hypnosis thing. Mm-hmm. And I went through that and I came out of it crying, you know, and it's really not about the money. It's about our belief system. It's about our experience. It's about all that. So that was like the beginning of some of my evolution. And then I was with the money mindset coach and again, total meltdown, but that's when the shift really started mm-hmm. to get past some of my, my beliefs. And it's, In this arena, and I've never shared this with my audience before, so I had put together what I call a give up gambling challenge, and I'm I'm still struggling because people in my community think that it's wrong, Like, and some of those people are in 12-step, right? So there's a culture that, you know, like sponsorship is free. They would never think of a paid coach per se, right? Mm -hmm. So... Some people are receiving my mission as like I'm trying to get rich off of other people's suffering, right? Or maybe they're not thinking that at all. And it's in my head that I think they're thinking this. Like I haven't resolved all that yet. I know what my mission is. And I know that I can't put 40 hours a week into it while I was working a job that paid me very well, right? You can't, you just can't. So I'm still like reconciling that. And yeah, it's it's not anything I ever shared before because it wasn't really applicable. And I don't want to come across because I don't believe in having to explain myself either. I'm very confident about who I am and what I do. And I know where my heart is. So it's it doesn't come from that place. It just comes from uh, this is a I'm having a relative struggle to that. So I appreciate you tying that in. You are so interesting. I'm so excited that you're here. I, I love this. This is this is this is rich for me. Because it's like, you know, the whole Star Trek model to boldly go where no one's gone before. I think people try too hard to avoid controversy. And truth is, I've always been there because I've never, I've never fit in anywhere, Bobby. And, you know, I like to joke, I say, go ahead and put me in a box because I'll just go build my own. Don't try and put me in a box. I'll just go create and build my own. And so, you know, but that there's that innate need by humans, right, to want to be loved and want to be accepted, you know, and I... I know what it means to be rejected. I know what it means to be betrayed. I went through a horrible divorce when I had a 16-month-old child at the time, and it broke me. It shattered me in half. 
And a lot of that because was, you know, because I just, I wasn't prepared for any of that. You know, my background was you get married, you stay married to that same person your whole life. There is no right. And so even those, those years that I fought and stood for my marriage because it was the right thing to do, again, somebody intervened, right? And in retrospect, hindsight's always twenty twenty. And now for a decade, I've been with this incredible woman. I can't imagine life without her. You know, I mean, the power of reconciliation and restoration, if you can learn to for- forgive people from right here. And to me, you know, taking offense and what bitterness and unforgiveness can do in somebody's life is like cancer. It's like gangrene. It will eat away at you. And so one of my greatest victories in overcoming, and you can really tie this into gambling, is just, you know, you, you have to forgive yourself and you have to forgive others from here, though, not, not just up here. And so, you know, that empowered me. And I believe that was part of what allowed the universe to bring, you know, this incredible woman to me. And like like I said, you know, we got a beautiful three-year-old firecracker, half Brazilian Felicity. And then, I mean, a baby boy on the way. I can't, I can't wrap my brain around it. It was just like, part of me thought I was done, you know, because my oldest is a teenager and we went through so much crap. I mean, we still have to endure stuff, right? But that, but it's just like, wow, you know? I got to raise a little man now. And that's not only is it an incredible responsibility, it's a tremendous blessing. I just, I can't imagine life without kids. And, you know, yeah. So not to get off on another rabbit trail here, but yeah, I, I just, I love this, Bobby. It's, it's so rich. Yeah. Congr- congratulations. I personally am not a child person. It's the same thing. I'm happy for people who get into it. It's just never been my calling, I guess. And it was a big part of it was I always wanted to be positioned to make sure I could do a better job than my parents. And I never felt that way probably until honestly, I might've even thought I could 10 years ago, but the truth was it wasn't about a job or this or that. Now it's the piece that I found these last couple of years through my journey. So I just never had it to give that way before. And mm-hmm. you know, now I can't give it to the masses if I switch gears. So, but congratulations to you as a moral of the story. As far as the controversy piece, it's interesting because I don't watch the news. Like I just don't, and I don't engage. This is another thing I've had mixed feelings about. And since we're just having potluck, I guess I'm going to throw stuff out there. It's my story. That's out of the bag now. I don't take position like on things that everybody else is taking position on. So um, like Black Lives Matter, for example, it was important. Everybody that needed to have a voice about that, having a voice about it. I just did not feel compelled to throw my opinion in. You know what I mean? Because I didn't want, and this is important for my gamblers and my addicts to hear because I'm not looking for trouble just to have all that angst and have the, fight and right like that's part of recovery is being able to know what do I need to engage in and what don't I to protect my mental health it's just that's the way it is and and I feel ignorant sometimes like I don't understand movie references I don't know what's going on I feel very blessed to be in communities where now I'm I have friends all over the world all over the country that's how I find out what's going on if I want to know what's going on in Ireland I ask my Irish friend I don't watch the news you know so I don't know. I just appreciated that you said that. And my position is kind of everybody's entitled to their own opinion. And let's not look for conflict just for the freaking hell of it. You know, I, I, my, my belief, this is so good, Bobby. My, my belief is, right, it's all each of our responsibility to do research and due diligence. 
But at the end of the dang day, every single one of us is going to believe and make up your own mind about whatever the heck, you know, and it doesn't matter, you know, even, even if it's completely wrong and errant, if it's, if it's your truth, it's your truth. And so I'm in the same place now where, you know, I've reached a place where like, I'm not, I'm not here to argue or contend with anybody. I know what I know. I spent a lot of time doing due diligence and research. We'll just put this out there since we're going so deep. I'm a student of international law. One of my closest friends and associates is a prime minister. And one of the things that that international law, i.e. the law of nations in which our constitution and the Declaration of Independence were founded upon is natural law, i.e. you could reference it God's law or whatever. But one of those principal foundations says that we're all brothers and sisters under the sun and we're supposed to be looking out for one another's best interests and happiness as individuals, not only as individuals, but as nation states. Right. And I go, if we were actually following these foundations, right, we wouldn't be in these massive global genocidal wars and everything like that, which are so controversial we can't talk about because everybody's got their own opinion about it, right? Right. But at the end of the day, I go, you know, and and about me, some of these guys that had spoken on Rise Up World for Black Lives Matter, I had this conversation with him. I said, you know, as a student of international law and the law of nations, natural law, whatever you want to call it, I said, you know, I'm not looking at skin color. We got to get past all of that. And again, I'm not trying to go political here. Some people are going to take this as political, but I'm just giving you the foundations of natural law. I mean, go, go ahead and read the, you know, 500 page book and you're going to learn a few things, man. Because I go, you know, we're, we're here on this planet to serve one another, to freaking get along. So if we're not getting along for arguing about, you know, what's gambling addiction and what's drug addiction and what is it and 12 steps. I mean, like you said, we're not. And it's funny, Bobby, because I've, I've said it to a number of people recently, but I've reached, I've reached a crossroads in my life where no matter what, I have to have peace. I have to live in peace. And if that means cutting off every freaking relationship and bit of trauma in my life. I think part of this comes with age, right? It's just like that. That's where I am. I'm, I'm choosing to live in peace. And so I'm a lot more selective, right? Obviously on what I'm going to engage in, who I'm going to give my time and pour my energy into. Whereas in, in my younger years and my controversial online radio broadcast where anything went right, I had more stamina and, you know, endurance to be able. And a lot, what sucked about it, Bobby, was so much of it was like, I'm just the messenger, right? Passing along years of information and research. But if it goes against someone's belief system and, you know, their way of thinking, it's like it was kill the messenger. It was like crucify Caleb. And so I just, I got tired of that as well because I realized people, people are not not all people. God, I want to. I want to be careful here. But many, many people are not as open-minded as they claim to be. And so, it's a serious journey, and we could go a whole other hour just talking about the Matrix and movie references. But if you're going to break out of that system, and that's that's anything, you know, your mental, your spiritual, your political, you have to deprogram all the crap first before you can even begin to reprogram with the good information, with the right information, and that that chisel fired up here that crap doesn't happen overnight you know i can tell you from experience you you got to have some serious grit and willingness to exercise the right of self-determination and you know go down that path of self-awareness and it's something i'm i'm a huge advocate of with my kids i'm like you have to learn to think for yourself and that means questioning everything it doesn't mean just believe in what you hear on, on whatever that source or media channel is 
It means at the end of the day, you've got to ask questions. Then you have to go and do the research. You know, can't be a lazy butt. You got to go do the research and then you got to make up your own dang mind, right? I mean, it's just, I think that's, you know, and it's a different place of parenting for me in the way that I was raised, right? I'm just like, it is not my responsibility for my kids to believe what I believe, you know, because my foundation, I want it to be based on facts and evidence. Can you show me the proof, right? Well, you believe this to be, okay, well, where's your proof? Where's your evidence? And this all goes back to law and all law being business and all business being law and all law being contract. Constitution was a compact. It was a legally binding contract between 56 men who were signatories of that compact. Did you sign that? Did I sign it? Nope. Well, who has rights except the people who are the signatories of a contract? All right, I'm going to stop dead halt right there because we're really going down another one. But I'm so grateful that you're this open-minded that we get to just at least touch on some of these things. So, Well, I have to say, so I'm going to share with the audience, like Caleb and I are in the same group and we've talked for all the five minutes before this conversation. I have never had an episode like this before, to be completely honest, and I'm enjoying it immensely. And it actually ties back to recovery a lot more than maybe people think. What's interesting to me, I have two things that really just jumped out about what you said. The the open-minded and the do the research. I think I would kind of disagree with you a little in my style on that because say you had a point of view and I had a point of view, I wouldn't even ask you to justify your point of view. I'd be like, oh, I respect your point of view. Mm -hmm. Educate me on it. Mm -hmm. That's that's one of, that's just how I happen to do it. Unless it's something I really want to learn about, but generally... I'm pretty just that way. And maybe that's an avoidance thing. I'm not really sure. And you talked about clearing. I'm going to paraphrase because I remember exactly how you said it. You said so much good stuff. I was like trying to retain it. I don't know if you've done this through your learning career, but the whole active listening, I still have to really be mindful of that and not start going in the questions I wanted to ask you. So bear with me for that. But you're good. I think you'll understand what I'm saying. This is what I teach everybody on the show. I describe life as we have this bucket that we're carrying around in our gut. And in that bucket, when we're in the addiction, it's all the negative. It's the anger. It's the things that we're running away from that we just push down in our bucket and we don't have any more room in our bucket. So we go use, we go gamble, we go whatever. It's because we're carrying around all the shit. We don't know what to do with it. So recovery is scooping out the bucket, right? Getting rid of the negative and filling it then with the positive Mm -hmm. and the positive. So we have to do this every day. Like that's part of my messaging. You have to, you just have to work on it. And then when the tough times come, you know, if you can't avoid that argument or you have angst about something not going the way you want, I mean, it's election year. So there's all kinds of that going on, right? But that's going to create some stuff. So we need to have like positive in our arsenal to contend with that. So we aren't going back to relapse. Like that's how I view it. Like, it's just that, that simple. And you said something to that, like you have to move through it. I don't, again, I don't remember how you worded it. I hope what I said made sense to tying it into how you um, presented it, but I love that. And, and I wrote down here, I still have that second question. Don't forget. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I love that analogy, by the way, Bobby. And, and yes, it does tie right in. Yeah. It, you mentioned forgiveness along the way in this conversation. 
And it's just important that I call it out. It's forgiveness is not about the other person. And it's just not right. And we need to feel good. Like that forgiveness is a way to get rid of the negative in our buckets. It's just like that. So I I needed to call that out because it's really important to me. There's people listening to this show that I've preached it to that they should talk to the person they stopped talking to 16 years ago or blah, 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 like all this stuff. Like you're not hurting that person. Like I just want to shake them. And it is what it is. I can't I'm going to say preach, but that sounds too damn religious. <laughs> it is what it is. It's not my, it's not my shit. My bucket ain't got no room for it. Yep. So those are the things I wanted to expand on. So here's, I'm going to give you a Thank you for pointing that out because again, we can get real self-centered on that, right? Yeah. No, you, you're seeing a lot of things. I think we could probably stand here for a week <laughs> based yep. on just this initial chemistry in our conversation. Okay, so back to being selfish. There's someone who reached out to me a few months ago. I had posted something on Facebook and it was recovery related. All right, I'm going to tell you that situation in a minute. There was something about the Constitution and all the law stuff too that uh, okay. wanted to acknowledge. So again, another perspective. I do a, I do a step meeting every month. You know, we, we dig into a step and I pretend that I'm in a GA meeting all by myself and I share on whatever the literature, you know, provokes. I recently, because of the 75 hard, started reading real hard-covered books again. And I read Recovery Dharma, which I bought a year ago, which is recovery about Buddhist principles. And we spent about a week and a half doing that on my evening episodes, trying to understand it. Because when I read, I don't, it doesn't stick. Mm -hmm. Like I need to reread it. I need to really focus. So by doing that exercise with my audience was an amazing experience for me. Then, you know, I've been to rehab, I've done all these things. So here's, here's my point. At the end of the day, whether it's 12 steps, smart recovery, recovery, dharma, whatever the options are out there, it all goes back to exactly what you said about the nations and about treating each other well and serving each other, like the noble truths, being aware, treating ourselves with love and kindness. Like we just need to do that. And when you talk about forgiving ourselves, why? Here you are. You're talking about your children, right? And, and what you're teaching them, what you say. Where the hell did all the negative voices in our heads come from? Mm-hmm. We weren't taught to say, I'm a shithead or I suck mm-hmm. or I can't do this or blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And we weren't taught to treat people like shit. Like we weren't taught that. So where did it come from? And why is it so hard to correct it? And I love that you're just tying in the world should be operating under this foundation that I can see. And it's probably the same way throughout the religions too. I don't know enough to speak educatedly on that, but there's probably the same themes. Treat people well, don't do harm. Like very just... Thou shall not kill. Yeah. These, I heard these, that somewhere, right? I don't know. Yeah, somewhere. So I love, I just, I love the culmination of all those things. Here we are talking on the outskirts of politics and religion, but essentially the message in there is the same. It's, it's just be good human beings, which is so important. Okay, here goes my t- difficult question. A few months ago, I post something on Facebook. Someone responds and reaches out to me privately. And I was like, wow, thank you for not judging, right? Like not doing that. Dis- like he was disagreeing with my opinion, but I didn't attack him. I acknowledged him and supported the fact that he had his own opinion. So not too long after, he messages me and he says, day one. I'm like, hmm. So he's in recovery from something, whatever. Come to find out it's meth. And 
we made it to, I think, day 10 or 11. And the rules were he had to check in with me morning, noon, and night because I want recovery top of mind. Now, I've never dealt with meth and I didn't understand. I don't understand all there is to know. I, and I really, I tried to watch Breaking Bad, but I got bored. So I don't know much. He goes back out. We make it to, but he doesn't use meth. He uses something else. And then we get to day maybe 30. And again, another slip. And I'm not saying that from judging. I'm just telling you the chronological order. Most recently, we almost got to three months. We were like at day 80. And I will give him so much credit because he tells me almost before he goes or he tells me right after. I'm not hearing from him. And I've reached out now. It's going on close to a week. And my heart is like, it's breaking. You know, I'm trying to not take it personally, like the failure perspective. Like I, this is one of the things that keeps me, me is practicing what I preach. I'm accountable now to my audience. So I would, I try to turn my negative voices into what I would tell you as another person. Again, crazy hard, a lot of practice, still not perfect at it. I guess, I don't know if you can kind of maybe coach me a little and maybe also explain something about meth to me so that I can cope with this a little better. I told you I'm being selfish. I, I'm, I'm really struggling. Oh, it's okay. Cause I mean, I just, my, my heart goes out with you because like I said, it's just, you know, there's a lot of drugs out there, but having been where I was, the, you know, my understanding of it is it's just, it's, it's wicked. It's wicked. It's evil. And the way that it takes control and, you know, the, the paranoia and everything and just, and, it, and it's different, right? It's, this, this is an upper, whereas your, your alcohol and your, you know, your marijuana or whatever are considered downers. But so it's, it's a whole different arena. I want to make sure to distinguish that there. And you said, you said a term that I wanted to touch on, and that is accountability. And, you know, you, Number one, you got to be accountable to yourself. And number two, you have to have accountability with somebody else. So the fact that you guys, it sounds like you had this with him for close to three months and that's dropped off, that, that's scary. I mean, because that first big step for someone, you know, wanting to recover from that, being willing to have that accountability is huge. So for that to drop off, right? And I, again, I, I'm not a person to go negative, but it makes me wonder too, what's the situation and why does he feel like he can't? be open with you anymore. You know, I think, you know, that there is that realm of accountability, you know, versus dependency. Yes, we need to be accountable with others to grow, but I think it's very easy too to put that off as a dependency onto somebody else and it replaces our own responsibility to create discipline. For me, I knew I had to make changes and at 19 years old I started fasting. I started fasting like crazy. A lot of it was spiritual reasons, not knowing the health benefits. But I remember when I would do longer fasts, and I mean, I had done fasts on liquid for 10 days, 10 days, liquid, no food. And I remember on some of those earlier, longer ones where I would be, you know, like five or six days in. Now, meth, it, it deposits in the fatty tissues of your cells and stuff, even after you're off it. So there, there were times where all of a sudden I would go into such a deep state of cleanse, I would hit one of those fatty tissue pockets, and all of a sudden I would taste the drip again down my throat, and I would be temporarily high for a couple minutes. Oh, dude, it was, it was crazy, Bobby. I was like, I was tripping out like the first time it happened, and until I started doing my research and everything like that. So 
I think there's there's a huge requirement, you know, as um, recovering addicts, right? That we have to create discipline. We have to say, you know, what it's gonna, what is it gonna take for me individually to break this cycle? Yes, I need accountability. Yes, I know that I'm not yet strong enough, so that means I'm gonna have to lean on others. But what am I doing in the interim to create that strength of character that eventually, if nobody else was around and a pile of meth is sitting in front of me, that I can resist that and say, no, nobody else is watching. Nobody else is going to know whether or not I'm doing it. That's character, right? You know, what we do, what we do behind closed doors when nobody else is watching. Have you perfected it, Caleb? God, no. (laughs) Are you kidding me? But have have I touched meth again since I got off it as a teenager? Never looked back, never had a desire. And again, I think there's a lot of aspects, right? The spiritual side as well. But I also know that I established those those levels of personal discipline and, you know, tying back into everything we're talking about, of you know, law and right of self-determination and way that we treat ourselves and others. I think whether we want to admit to it or not, we each have established our own personal code of honor in our lives. And I think there's a lot of honor missing in society today. And I have personally chosen to conduct myself as a man of honor and that I've created a code that hell or high water, I don't give a rat's ass what anybody else out there is doing. I'm going to live and die by that code because I have to answer for me. Ain't nobody, when I'm dead and gone, ain't nobody else. My wife ain't going to be standing there. My kids ain't going to be standing there. Whatever, you know, convo I got to have me and creator, you know, grand architect, whatever you want to call it, I've got to have is going to be on me. And I'm not going to have any excuses for my life because I think one of the most powerful attributes that we've been given as humans is the power of free will, moral agency. We have the right to choose whatever we want to believe, whatever we want to do, whatever path that we take, it's on us. I am 100% sure that you enjoyed this as much as I did. Caleb was just such a pleasure. Don't forget to take advantage of his free gift and to check him out. He's in lots of places, social media. We'll make sure that all those details are in the show notes. Thanks for being here, beautiful people. Have a great rest of the day.